Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. From Barangaroo Studios, the AusBiz COV is the key stuff you need to know about the day in business and finance. Well, hello, hello. It is the 18th of May. This is the COB, all the stuff you need to know about the day in business, markets, and startups. My name is Nadine Blaney, and I'm here with David Scott. Fantastic to be back on this Wednesday. Isn't it just, though, the Aussie market extending its winning streak, fourth straight session, up by a full percentage point by the end. And again, it was the mining stocks that really did lead the gains. Special mention to South 32, which was up by more than 5%. And BHP as well. And, uh, you know, it's hugely influential on the market. It was up by 3%. Yeah, uh, really resilient performance and adding to the big gains we saw yesterday. I mentioned in the newsletter, though. Uh, curiously, there were some pretty pronounced declines in Chinese iron ore futures, uh, coal futures and the like uh, during the session. So, uh, But when the bulls are charging, stand out of the way. Yeah, because there were times of the day that it looked as if Asian markets were losing their steam. But as we record this, we've got the Hang Seng in positive territory, the Composite in positive territory, just. I wouldn't be surprised if the next time I look, they're negative. But um, we've also had pressure coming through on U.S. futures throughout the afternoon. So interesting, Bitcoin down below 30,000. I mentioned that while we are on air. But uh, in terms of what was supporting the market here locally, yeah, metals, the miners, uh, the energy space looked pretty solid as well as we saw oil price is re- I guess rebound a bit from the losses that they saw in the overnight period. Yeah, it was pretty broad, bre- uh, broad based gains, I should say. Uh, one area of the market was a bit surprising. I couldn't see any news about it. it was the supermarkets? All the supermarkets were hosed. Now I don't know whether that was uh, to do with something along the lines of uh, you know maybe a bit of safe haven uh, money departing, going to other parts of the market, or whether some broker activity that we'll find out about tomorrow. But uh, yeah, that was the biggest drag. It was uh, the consumer staples was down about one percent or so. Yeah, interesting. Interesting. Maybe uh, you know if you think about what happened in the states with Walmart, but still, I'm you know completely different story yeah different different businesses as well yeah, yeah very different um now uh we had wages out today i feel like i'm jumping ahead so maybe um i'll just talk about some of the stock specific moves um because everybody's always interested in that but boral profit warning down by three and a half percent eagers automotive down by three and a half percent again a profit warning a plenty group we spoke with the ceo in the final throws of this session Putting on one and a quarter percent out with its full year results. Blue Scope upgrading its guidance up by close to two percent. So there were some good uh, corporate stories out there, um, but it, it just seemed to be a rising tide lift all boats kind of scenario out there. Yeah, uh, still a bit of maybe short covering taking place as well in some parts of the market, helping to uh, sustain this move higher. Uh, but yeah, I'm noticing that uh, a lot of the confession season uh, that we hear at the moment are, of course, heading towards uh, the full year results coming through uh, for most companies um, after the turn. Uh, of the uh, financial year, so into uh, late July and August. Uh, yeah, most of the, uh, the updates are getting come through at the moment seem to be pretty negative. 
which is interesting, uh, given so much optimism has been priced into I know, various facets of the economy at this stage. And a lot of the confessions are to do with, um, you know, external events, supply chain shocks, the macro environment. Um, you know, it's it's the big sort of picture stuff. So uh, that's obviously a very live situation. That's why macro matters. That's why macro managers ma- matters. What's going on better than in micro, China? Be- better than macro, um, micro managing. <laughs> yeah, well, listen, um, we've just had some data out of China. Uh, we've had some... New home sales easing. I don't think that's a big surprise be considering uh, the lockdowns there that are still on. I mean, I know that we're hearing a lot about Shanghai coming out of lockdown, but we're also hearing about lockdowns being put in place in some parts of Beijing, for example. So, look, the story there is um, far from over. Uh, as far as the really big picture, we've seen UK inflation up 9%. So, this is just coming out in the past few minutes. Surging to 9%, very slightly below expectation, but that is the highest level since 1982. A mate of mine who works in uh, investment banking over in London uh, messaged me just before and said, oh, it's, uh, it's killing us because uh, the wife is now having to go and shop at Lidl and uh, remove herself from a waitress. So it's, uh, it's all happening in the UK, substitution effect in full ball, including in investment bank families. Yeah, right. Okay, that's interesting anecdote, but it's mostly putting uh, been put down to energy. Um, the biggest driver of price growth coming through in the UK in April, as we we know, we know the the reasons why. Um, so that is sort of a big picture look at what was moving stocks today. Uh, look, South Thirty Two was the best performer by percentage terms, and Polynova was the worst, down by four point six percent. Now the stock of the day today was South Thirty Two. There you go, lifting copper production by more than twenty percent. Macquarie was out with a note saying it could be um, lining up some more buybacks. Shareholders love that. Let's find out what Henry Jennings for Marcus today and Luke Winchester for Meriwether Capital had to say. Doesn't look very expensive at all, particularly where commodity prices are today. I think the markets, you know, pricing in some some mean reversion there with with commodity prices, but. You know, you've got a management team, like I said, they're committed to capital returns to shareholders. You'll, get, you'll continue to get a good dividend out of this stock. Um, it's, it's not a stock for me with Meriwether Capital, just the, the way I position myself. But for you know a, a more conservative investor who wants some diversified mining exposure and maybe looking outside of a BHP or Rio, I think South 32 looks, looks fantastic for that sort of exposure. So for the right investor, I, I think it's a buy. Well, BHP split this one away, uh, they gave it uh, a new lease of life. They gave yeah. it a focus. The management obviously now are invested in the company rather than a, a part of a bigger thing. And it's hard to move the dial when you're part of BHP. The, these guys have done an exceptional job. The management's particularly good. Capital management's particularly good as well. They're exposed to all the cool electrification, greenification of the economy yeah. kind of uh, materials, with the exception, I guess, of lithium. Yeah. But copper, nickel, zinc, um, manganese, alumina, aluminium, you know, right. you just run across the whole lot of them and they're all going to be crucial. These guys are going to be at the forefront. The stock's done really, really well. Um, it's shrugged off the blues that we've seen uh, from uh, the markets in the last yep. few weeks. So, you know, for me, this has been one of our core recommendations in the resources space. We like mm. this one. So there you have it. And it is a reliable buy from Luke's view. And Henry says it's still a buy too. So that will be put to the investment committee. There you go. So 32, winner of the day. Yeah, uh, all going right there. But uh, yeah, so much for I know, BHP's uh, licorice all sorts that were just tossed aside. 
back in the day. Yeah, it's come good. Yeah, it certainly has. I Graham, remember when Graham it was Kerr's called Nuco. Yeah, Graham Kerr has been at the helm for quite some time. Hey, Scuddy, uh, that wages data today. This time yesterday, you were talking about, you know, probably outsized moved in the in the private component of that read didn't really come to fruition. Uh, many that I spoke with today said it looks as if it it could just be a matter of time. You know, yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah, it's it's the way that it's constructed. Uh, it doesn't take into account compensational uh, changes in the, the labor force as well. But because so many people are on contracts, uh, EBAs and the like, and they're negotiated in a group, yeah. it sometimes takes a while. So I think that 15% or so of the other uh, workforce got a pay increase. And the scale of the pay increase that was delivered during the quarter was the highest it's been in a, in a decade or so. Yeah. But it just takes time for that to go and filter through. I'm going to be really interested to see in the national accounts. Unfortunately, we have to wait that long to go get a cleaner read. But to see what the broader uh, no, employee salaries going in uh, is doing, because that will give us probably a lot more information about you know, the churn we're seeing in some parts of the labour market, and that's resulting in, in more wages going through to people's pay packets. Yeah, I had an interesting conversation with Deanna Messina from AMP uh, late in the piece today again, just before 4 p.m. But they are expecting at AMP Capital the RBA to lift rates by 40 basis points next time. Um, she says the terminal rate two and a half percent by mid next year, but yeah, she was saying next month when we start to see more of these um, enterprise bargaining agreements happening, that mm. we will start to see that wages data flowing through more significantly. Yeah, the minimum wage rate as well. The decision is going to be pretty important this year. I dare say it's going to be fairly punchy given uh, what we're seeing with inflationary pressures at the moment, and despite all the commentary about you no know, wage spirals and the like, clearly that's not uh, taking place at the moment. And uh, yeah, that would generally go and filter through as well. So we'll see what happens in the quarters ahead. But yeah, I agree. It was a disappointing outcome, particularly in context of what's going on with inflation. People's uh, salaries are going backwards and fast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so that's something to mull over as we head toward the jobs data that is due here tomorrow locally. So do you think that we could be in for you know similar sort of, I mean, to say disappointment, um, but... You know, we could be in for a bit of a surprise number. Uh, Warren Hogan today alluded to the fact that that would be the surprise if it still had a, a f- the unemployment rate still had a four in front of it. Yeah, uh, look, we know that uh, no, despite all this talk about you know, reopening the borders, there's still not been a lot of uh, net inflows coming through. Mm-hmm. Uh, so very, very tight labor market conditions to continue. Always that kind of question mark about the flooding. The weather's been horrendous. I think anyone on the East Coast here in Australia can go and attest. It's not been a, a usual summer and autumn period uh, by any stretch. Whether that goes in influences just when it comes to hours worked, that's probably where it's going to be felt. But you'd never quite know. But all things being equal, look at the trend in other developed markets. They're probably going kicked off a little bit earlier than us in this recovery cycle. And uh, all of them are sitting at uh, very, very low levels for unemployment. So I'd expect it to know the trend is your friend. Probably going to the three handle tomorrow. Now, tonight in the United States, we get some data on housing. Building permits comes through. And uh, I think it's going to be really instructive to see because we did see yesterday in the Home Builders Sentiment Index, I can't remember the tax. NAHB. N-A- yeah, NAHB. Um, you know, a little bit of souring in sentiment there. So you can see that there are cracks coming, at least in the thinking about the housing market there as mortgage rates rise. Yeah, it's uh, something you know, I'm, I've made, made the point of uh, talking about a little bit in views and in the podcast and the like and on air. Uh, that's that's the key area where that uh, the housing market goes the rest will follow and the housing market is one of those re- weird beasts where revaluations occur off only a uh, very very small proportion of the market actually transacting and when you've got a whole bunch of people who are coming in trying to go and pay 
massive amounts after a huge increase with interest rates, uh, mortgage rates sitting at uh, the highest level in over a decade. Uh, I dare say that uh, those revaluation effects are going to start going and uh, hitting the downside pretty soon. We do have Eurozone April CPI that is coming any time now, um, but we have had a preliminary reading, so not likely to see any big change there. Expected to be about 7.5% on year overall. Um, again, we get um, building housing starts and building permits, and we get the FOMC Evans speaking tonight. He's a dove, or traditionally known as, <laughs> although they all sound pretty hawkish lately, and uh, Harker, and so they're speaking at different events. So we'll get yet another tidbit or two coming from the u.s fed yeah charlie and uh, and, and patrick looking forward to hearing what they have to say now when it comes to the aussie aussie dollar um as we close things off here locally is um looking like it's sitting just around that 70 u.s cent level yeah 70.19 versus the greenback uh it'll be interesting to see what happens with the u.s dollar tonight as well yeah it's looking a bit vulnerable uh, i'm mm -hmm. actually right about it it's uh it's got a lot of lot of good news priced into it at the moment that does come loose uh and start to go and and, and repeal a little bit uh it could go and uh, release the pressure valve on some other uh, risk sentiments uh, parts of the market particularly around commodity markets but whether the fed will actually want to go and see that given they need to tighten financial conditions well we'll see but it does look a little bit toppy at least in the near term yeah i'm um, just noticing as we round things out as well to your point you know we did see tin down in shanghai down by three percent today coke futures are falling more than three percent as well dalian iron ore dropping as much as three and a half percent in Wednesday afternoon trade. So that uh, those headlines coming after the market close here locally. I'm just checking in on Chinese markets. Yeah, turning a bit negative. See what I say? What I say? Wouldn't be surprised to see them red by the time I finish talking. Yeah, and a big retail-driven market as well. So it gives you a bit of a sense. Uh, sometimes uh, no, I, I pay pretty close attention to what's going on in those futures markets because often they act as a fantastic leading indicator for what happens on the other uh, local market and physical stocks a day after. Certainly when the, uh, the newspapers go and write their columns, they say, iron ore spot prices fell. Well, you can go and track that yeah, beforehand. Yeah, of course. So that's uh, what we've been looking at today in a nutshell. Also noting that Finland and Sweden have officially submitted applications to join NATO. So we'll have a chat about geopolitics tomorrow. We've got, uh, look, a packed day in terms of guests. Looking forward to it all. In the morning, uh, we'll be speaking with Tony Christenzi from PIMCO. So giving us that real global view from New York. Looking forward to that. Martin Wetton will get us across whatever U.S. Treasuries in 10 years do. What were you going to say? No, it's just all the Bond boys are uh, coming in. Yeah, they sure are. Um, but we've got uh, Kyle McIntyre from Firetrail as well as Zach Riaz from Benyon Tree Investments. So we will do some stock specifics as well to start the day. And the list goes on. So some great guests to get us off the ground, up and running. Uh, when we resume broadcasting on osbiz.com.au, if you don't watch it, we'd love it if you do. We're live from 8.30 a.m. to 4.15 when the market closes. Yeah, and uh, just a quick shout-out as well. I know that the panel for uh, the big picture of the uh, the last call for Friday afternoon has been assembled. It's going to be an all-star cast, so I'm looking forward to that chat as well. So, yeah. It's Wednesday. Yeah. That's I know, so good. I'm, You're I'm already yeah, looking I'm, forward I'm, to I'm, it. I'm, uh, <laughs> just the, uh, the, the, everyone on the other panel is getting pretty excited about to the appearance. Okay, well, we'll look forward to that as well, and uh, we'll see you soon. Scotty, have a good one.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.